Welcome to Seizure Salad, Fuster Cluck Epilepticus. A salty, slightly cynical conversation about epilepsy, neurological disorders, and occasional random tangents. Together, we explore the synaptic jolts that short-circuit one's world and the mental and emotional fallout that comes from them. And if that sounds heavy, don't worry, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And now, Seizure Salad with your host and electrostatic meat sack, Micah B-Side. Hello, hello, welcome to Seizure Salad, Fuster Cluck Epilepticus. I'm your host, electrostatic meat sack and lab rat it's micah b-side how you guys doing out there i have a special guest today i'm really excited about this actually um met her through the epilepsy foundation during a grieving period we had a support group meeting one of our support group members passed away and it was heart related uh very possibly could have been sued up related as well we don't know but it's always hard when when somebody leaves us and so Rachel actually sat in and kind of helped us work through some of the grief um, and really just more than anything lent us an ear, I, I guess you could say. That that was the big thing. So uh, Rachel Duncan, she is a therapist. Now, you specialize in art therapy. Is this correct? That's right. Yeah, my okay. uh, I, I have joint training or kind of a mixed training in mental health counseling and art therapy. It was actually like an integrated program. Okay. There's many of those out there. So yes, I do art therapy. I'm based in Denver. And um, I have done a lot of work for the Epilepsy Foundation. I've done all of their extra trainings and things like that. I myself do not have epilepsy, just to lay that out there. But I have run several groups and I'm kind of just in their black book. <laughs> they call me up when they have got a client who they think would work well with me um, or that I could help. Or I've done rock and rally, helped out with the kids camps. I love doing groups, done family work. And um, yeah, and that was really special and somber session I got to join you guys with a couple few months ago. And it was, it was a lot of listening and it was providing resources and also getting to the heart of the matter, which is kind of yeah. my, my thing. <laughs> it's getting to the heart of the matter. And right. it's not always sitting down and drawing a picture. Like some, it, it can be lots of things. It can be reflecting on an image already made. It can be reflecting on a poem, which is what I, I offered to you all. That oh, night. wow. So, okay. So yeah. now that that's really cool. Um, for me to hear because I've never been a great fine artist in that sense. You know, I draw stick fig figures and stuff sure. like that. But language has been has always been one of my specialties. And I've I was fairly prolific when I was younger with my poetry and mm -hmm. writing songs and writing poems and and creative mm -hmm. writing. Um, that was always one of my favorites. And mm -hmm. I love a good story. You know, I love a good story. So this would fall under art therapy as well, correct? Yeah. I mean, you know, we all have, I guess, our different trainings and there is poetry ther therapy as its own kind of growing field. You know, there's dance therapy, music therapy, drama therapy. There's all these different fields. There's some programs where someone, uh, where people are actually trained in like everything. Like I think it's called expressive arts therapies. Wow. Um, I did go to more of a classic, like an art therapy it was just visual stuff. But um, for example, one of my favorite collage activities is I set all these collage materials, but included in that is strips of poetry and you make your own poetry. So it's not like words are not included. And in fact, actually, when we're making images, there's a lot of talking. If anything, it helps 
steer the conversation to a more like heartful place. Is that a word? Yeah. 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 Actually it is. It is. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, I, I get it though. That is, that is amazing. That's beautiful. It's kind of like, um, it, when you said that about the strips of, of lines of poetry that people can mix and match and stuff, it immediately brought me back to a vision board, you know, when that's one thing that I'm working on to help regain some of my cognizance and focus and, and presence and stuff like that after, especially after a seizure to, to get back. Vision boards are excellent because yes. I can look up behind me here. You know, I have one that I made with my voice coach. And Hi. when I get a little bit lost or I feel a little bit cloudy, I can look back and just, it kind of helps me focus in and reminds because me. We, we process images much faster than we process words. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, when you say, yeah, I look at that and it just like, boom, it just takes me to this place. It reminds me of who I am or reminds me of a feeling or something like that. You know, that's, that's really why bringing in image work, again, with a conversation, but it really can deepen and enlighten a conversation because, you know, people bring up sometimes metaphors that they hadn't really applied to themselves before, um, you know, have insights about relationships, for example, they hadn't thought of before. So it's still a conversation, at least with me, it is. It's still very much a conversation. Um, I do ask for like, while we're working, you know, to spend some quiet time because we often fill space with talking a lot. Yeah. Um, a lot of us do that, you know, and that's a fair thing that we've been taught to do. But mm -hmm. um, I um, ask people to lean into the discomfort. Oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, speaking of quiet time, my neighbor yeah. has his, he's mowing his lawn, his four acre lawn. <laughs> so I'm going to go close the window, speaking of quiet okay. time. Okay, um, sounds good. Uh, but while I'm doing this, tell us a little bit, um, cause I got the speakers up. I can hear you. Okay. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a big room, <laughs> um, but, but describe to us how you fell into your therapy work, what motivated you and then why in particular the art therapy? I I've, I'm okay. fascinated by this. <laughs> okay. So I'll tell my long story while Micah goes to the window. So I had spent my 20s sort of wandering, I guess. I worked in offices. Um, you know, my my main thing was to support myself. And as I was kind of getting into my late 20s, as I think a lot of people do, it was a little bit like, what am I doing? And there's got to be more. <laughs> there's got to be more to life, right? And so I was, you know, I've also been really engaged with therapy on the client side since adolescence, having a difficult adolescence and difficult family stuff. Um, so right. I've come to that therapy has just always been a big part of my life. And I've always wanted to reduce the stigma, you know, take away the stigma from it. And it's helped me out quite a bit. So I kind of got into this re really reflective place when I was probably 29 or so. And with a therapist, um, I actually really felt like I'd like to do this. I, I like getting into the having the big, important conversations, getting into the nut of things with people. I've, I've just always wanted to hear about the uncomfortable stuff. Um, nothing shocks me. <laughs> like right. I've, I've been through a lot of grief. Um, I lost my father and my sister before I was 25. So I've 
I've been there, right? I've been through a lot and, um, and even more, I won't, I won't even recount all the rest of the things, but, and I always found that like, you know, people who had been through, through the shit, um, right. I can swear. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people who had been through a bunch of shit I could connect with actually a lot better than people who hadn't. So yeah. So all of that to say, I was like, I think I'm going to look at psychology. So first I was kind of thinking, oh, psychology, you know, capital P, <laughs> you know, become a doctor or whatever. And at the time, my then boyfriend, now husband, and I had moved to Seattle for his work. So it was like brand new city. And I started looking at graduate programs and there is, there, UW has a big like psychology program. Um and th- but there's you know several colleges that offer a master's level, and I really wanted to do like more of the clinical work. I realized I I just went and interviewed people. I just called up people, students in programs, therapists in the area, and just interviewed them about what, where they went, and that was really really helpful. And pretty much everyone was like, "You should go to Antioch." And so Antioch University, there's several campuses all over the country, but the one in Seattle um, has a large mental health department that included under the umbrella. It's like an umbrella of mental health. There's couples and family therapy, mental health counseling, art therapy, and drama therapy, and now play therapy. Like they keep adding wow. on these specialties. It's really cool. And so I was like, oh gosh, you know, I've, so all through my boring like admin jobs, I was always taking art classes. Like I just love painting. I was taking ceramics, painting. That was just like my serious hobby. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I love that. And I was like, why not? And I threw my hat in the ring and I like, I had to get a few prereqs done. I went to the community college. It was super fun. It was like the most fun I've had was getting ready for grad school. <laughs> and I got in. I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing it. Yes, I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I I, this it. is it. Here we go. Here we go. Um, that is so, so cool. That is so cool. Um, and I got to say before, before I move on, but of course, UW is going to have like a premier psychology department, right? Yeah. Because you're in Seattle, for God's sakes, and people have to get sun lamps to stay happy. <laughs> And if I'd done that, it would, you know, it's also very research-based. It just would have been a very different trajectory. I would have been designing research programs and administering research and, you know, writing things to be published. I mean, it's just that there's a real difference between being a therapist and a psychologist in that way. Um, No, exactly. You you got into it not so much for the curiosity of it, but for the hands-on, I want to work with people, help and make a difference kind of thing. Right. And once I started telling psychologists there that they're like, oh, you go to Antioch, like the training is so good and the students are so happy. And that was absolutely my experience. So nice. nice. Yeah, that it is... was really fun. And like also like being part of the art therapy group, like we're kind of the cool kids, you know? <laughs> right. Yo, dude. <laughs> You're the art it was like photography class in high school, man. You know, yeah, like the well, cool. I always love the thespians. I was always with the thespians. I was... <laughs> Yep, That's that was me. <laughs> I was a thespian, definitely. Singer, uh, actor, and then in college, I even started um, doing some dance work too. And uh, that was my that was my major. Um, You're a triple was, threat. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> until I blew my knee out, I bet I could still I can still shuffle a rug, just not as intensely as I used to be able to. You know, but 
right? Yeah. It is, it's often there's a cluster. I'm also a musician. I love Mike and I talked what earlier. Where we both play? love uh, love singing and stuff. Well, mostly singing. I, I play okay. guitar. I tried to learn piano over the summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just love all of it. I, I know it. it's it's it's, it's amazing. I I played a little bit of guitar and piano myself uh, as I was young, and of course, singing was like that's what saved my ass in high school from going to jail. Really, was mm-hmm. I failed a, I failed a class, uh, an elective, and my buddies, two of my best friends, convinced me so that I wouldn't fail out of the semester. They convinced me to try out for the vocal jazz group and the mm-hmm. choir. And so I said, what the hell? Why not? You know, and um, I mean, I loved theater, so I figured I'd probably like or enjoy choir as well. And you got this voice. I mean, let's get real. I got the voice. Back then I had a five and a half octave range. So when I first went in uh, for choir in my uh, sophomore year, it was my freshman or sophomore. I think it was, no, it was my sophomore year. And um, they actually, I had the lowest voice in the choir probably the lowest voice in the school but they were short on tenors so i sang second tenor the high tenor yeah yeah so you'll love this micah so i'm in uh can i plug my choir oh hell yeah I am in voices rock which is this wonderful non-audition rock choir here in denver and um I've just, I'm singing baritone because I want to learn to read bass clef and I, and I can sing baritone and it's so fun. It's like me and this other old lady are the only women, you know, cisgendered women in it. And it's, and they always need more baritones. And so it's so fun. And then I'm in the audition portion as well. And I'm singing soprano in that. <laughs> so, I'm like, I don't know. It's just fun. I like the challenge when exactly. I normally sing alto. So I'm like not even doing my part. I'm only doing it. Exactly. And I mean, for me to sing second tenor in the choir was fine because I sang my natural bass in the vocal jazz group. And so it was like I got the best of both worlds in that one. Of course, as we got on um, in my junior and senior year, they switched me over to the bass. um, Yeah, they needed you there. (laughs) Yeah, they needed me there. Oh, it's so. so fun. I mean, and so often that's the case, you know, when anyone's involved in the arts, they're usually got their fingers in lots of stuff. Right, right. And I think, I think, you know, something that might help me, because I have been struggling, I, I haven't admitted it much on the air. Um, but there have been moments, man, there have been mm-hmm. ideation moments. And yeah. there have been, what the fuck just happened to my life? And yeah. how the hell am I going to get beyond this? Um, you know, sometimes I, I present myself as, as like, I'm above all the shit that's happening to me, but that's nowhere near the case. This is beating the shit out of me. And, and when you had a really rapid, like overturning of your life. Yes. Yes. I mean, Um, and that's, you know, and I think as going through it, you did as an adult, it's got a special quality of its own type of trauma. If I can say like, just the who you thought you were got really undone by yes. this medical condition. So much so, so much yeah. so. I I found out that I had epilepsy my whole life, but didn't know. See, I had the petty malls, what they used to call them. You know, the the focal seizures, the absence seizures, the the smaller ones where it's just a checkout. 
where your mm-hmm. brain disconnects or your brain temporarily turns off or you get those out of body experience feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had those all the way growing up and they mm-hmm. faded away in my 20s. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple of theories to that. My younger brother thinks because he also has epilepsy, his broke through at 22 when he actually stopped smoking pot for his wife. Well, now wife. Oh, then interesting. And then it broke through. And it broke through after that. Um, so he thinks one of the reasons that it took 25 years later for me to break through was because I was a daily smoker. Interesting. Interesting. There is scientific evidence that THC, along with a little bit of CBD, can help reduce your seizure activity. So that's that's a scientifically shown thing now. Um, so that might lend a little bit of credence to that theory. Mm-hmm. However, um, there's also a hormonal balance that is involved here too. And, you know, the male brain usually fully matures around 25 or so. Um, and that's about... Does the, it? What? Does it? Does it? <laughs> Honestly speaking, no, because I'm still almost, I'm pretty much as immature as I was like fucking 20 years ago. You got a good point there, Rachel. You got a good point. I just had it. I'm sorry. I I know. I know. I left that window open and I'm glad you. (laughs) Wide open. Wide open. I'm I'm glad you jumped through it. Um, But there is the chance because it's not, it's not rare, rare. Um, it does happen where people will have seizure activity in their youth. And then once the brain fully develops, they'll fade away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes they return later in life, like during the middle age, once your metabolism drops, you know, stuff like that. So that's very possible what could have happened to me. Right, right. When you stopped smoking, then... The- that was oh, I never stopped time. smoking. I think. Oh, excuse me. Oh, <laughs> I'm still okay. a pothead. I mean. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, no, I'm a cannabis connoisseur. Um, sure. There's a difference there, I think. I don't know. Mm. No, it's all an excuse. Um, no, no. It, it. More than anything, I think that I think that I was a very active person throughout my adulthood. You know, I, I lived in the mountains most all of my adult life, mm-hmm. and. I was, honestly, I was so close. I was really close to achieving my goal, a couple of goals. Um, You know, leading up, I lost everything when I got busted when I was 20, in my 20s, okay? I I was was a mischievous little boy. Never malicious, but Mm -hmm. definitely mischievous. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got in a lot of trouble in college and lost everything and had to scrape my way back and I did it and I graduated from CSU with honors top 10% of my class in performing arts and communications and um, went down and, and created a career and a name for myself in the Colorado mountains as a radio DJ and mm-hmm. event MC. You know, I, I was a regular MC for years, you know, Garfield County fair, Strawberry Days, Carbondale uh, Mountain Fair, uh, Gypsum Days, you know, uh, I was so close. I was right there. I was, I had just verbally went through some of the um, ins and outs of a contract I was about to sign 
with this event coordinator. And it would have made me the go-to live MC for mountain festivals and concerts and events and all over the mountains of Colorado, from the Winter Park Blues and Brews down to Durango and Telluride, you know, Breckenridge. I, I was I was doing great. I had just gotten picked up by a non-camera agent. Um, my voiceover work was growing. And uh, I had enough work between my stage work, my camera work, and my budding voiceover stuff that I was able to leave my side job. Mm-hmm. And just focus on my entrepreneurship. And how old were you at that point? Forty-seven. When it all came like to the head. Forty-seven years old. I, yeah. Yeah. I take I take a lot of chances. I don't live like the normal. Well, you're supposed to do this, and then you go this way, and then you turn this way, and then you do this. And I've always been that guy who like. Real I'll quit my job. And go, yeah. yeah, real comfortable with risk. Not even comfortable. You seek it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. With my caving and and stuff like that, and the white water rafting and the, um, yeah, we do, we do. And is it a subconscious death wish? Maybe. Maybe. Is there a desire for stimulation? Mm-hmm. That is maybe. You know, we we talk about some some people have a, just a higher threshold. They need more to feel than others right you feel like that fits you um yes in a lot yes yes i feel like uh in a lot of ways i feel like i'm not going to be enough unless i change the world or if i i, I do something spectacular i I was thinking about this actually because I'm trying to, uh, um, with the vision board exercise and with setting the mindset. This is to my sick kids. Time to flip this shit. Depakote, Adderall, Ritalin, Pixie sticks. I don't give a fuck what you're riding to the setting sun. Use it as a weapon when it's said and done. It's all too much. It's all too much. It's all too much.